some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay, good luck. You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? Well, what's your name? Justin? Uh, have you met Justin? I don't know. Hi, I'm Julie. So simple. So elegant. Mm-hmm. That's it? You just walk up to someone you don't know and introduce them to your buddy? I don't know. That sounds kind of... Have you met Kyle? Hi, Kyle. Are you Jesus? I would have understood, you know? I mean, if you told me that we couldn't be friends anymore, I, I wouldn't have liked it, but I... God, I would have understood. I could never do that. Why not? Ted. Okay, I insist that you tell me. Why not? No way. Answer the question. It's, it's for the bride. I'm not going to answer the question because you know the answer. You want to talk about my top five? There's no top five, Robin. There's just a top one, and it's you. And the only reason I'm saying any of this is because I know that it's not going to change anything. You and Barney are getting married today. If I have to hold the shotgun myself, it's happening. I thought you don't like guns. I'm the best man. I swore on the bro code. I don't want to go to bro hell. Bro hell sounds bad. I'm sure Barney's got a whole thing about bro hell. What about when we get back from our honeymoon? What about our first night out at the bar? What then? I mean, is it going to be weird? No. How can you be so sure? Because I'm not going to be there. I'm moving to Chicago. You're moving to Chicago. That's right. I'm going to work for Hammond Druthers. The penis building guy. They're not all penis buildings. He just designed this clamshell amphitheater for the St. Louis Symphony. That one, it doesn't look like a penis anyway. I can't believe you're leaving New York. Wait, is this, be- is this because of me? No, it's not because of you. Well, m- maybe at first it was, but... really long week. Some stuff has happened and it's just made me feel like it's it's time to move on. Yes, good things happen to me in New York, but bad things happen too. Like your top five worst relationships? Okay, come on. Let me hear it. Number five, blah, blah. Mm. Number four, boats, boats, boats. <laughs> Number three, Karen. Mm. Number two, uh, Zoe. She made both lists. Number one, by a landslide, Jeanette. Jeanette, of course. By the way, have you talked to Jeanette lately?
Hello, ladies and germs. Welcome to episode 289 of the Hoots Podcast. It's Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. It's yours truly, the nefarious brother, Adam, a.k.a. Joshie Lopez. You can follow me at Twitter, at Josh Lopez Media. Instagram, at Joshie Lopez 94, at Josh Lopez Music. Um, we are just about 11 episodes away from reaching 300 of the Hoots Podcast. This is pretty cool. So, uh, recording this the day before Christmas Eve and all the Christmas uh, shenanigans and the holiday season continues. Um, first and foremost, I'd like to wish all of you, good listeners, good viewers, good brothers, good sisters, good aunts, good uncles, <laughs> all of the above. I wish you and all your families uh, a wonderful holiday, depending on which holiday you celebrate during this time of year. Hope you guys have a wonderful uh, Christmas. Um, New Year's is right around the corner. And um, hope you have a wonderful end to 2021 and hope you guys are in good spirits during this time of year. So for everybody that supported the Who's podcast this year, for myself and Burkhart, we wish you have a wonderful time with your family uh, this weekend. So um, we got a lot to talk about this week and this episode of the Who's podcast is going to be very, very different. Uh, one thing will not change, though, just because it's the holidays, just because I'm not doing a lot of uh, wrestling talk on here, does not mean... What the hell is wrong with AW will not be aired on the Hoops podcast. We're doing it today. It's a holiday theme edition. You'll hear it <laughs> towards the end of the show. But um, this week's podcast is going to be a little different. And this is something I've been wanting to do for a long while. And we've teased it and talked about it for months and months about having a, you know, just a real conversation about mental health and me letting you guys into my world and I can open up to you guys. And for those who've listened to the podcast uh, for this entire time period, I really thank you for uh, allowing me to open up at times when I need to open up when I never thought I would have the heart to do it. Um, And, you know, over the years, me and Adam have prided ourselves on having those real taught uncomfortable conversations about mental health and depression and self-doubt, and um, I'm very proud of the stuff we were able to accomplish here because this podcast is not just about professional wrestling. It's not just about sports. It's not just about whatever. It's a live podcast, and um, as I was saying to the people here on Facebook before I press the record button, uh, with this podcast, it's um, it's very important for me uh it's a very important outlet for me to express myself for you guys because there's a lot of times throughout the week when I'm not on air where I'm in my head just like anybody else. And this is my opportunity to set myself free, be vulnerable with you guys. And uh, for those who support the show and not judge me from things I've opened up to or anything like that, it really means the world to me. And I, I always say that nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect, nor do I want to be perfect. Uh, but I am a real person, and I am very grateful for the things that have come my way at a young age, and I'm very grateful and excited for what's ahead of me in the future. But, you know, we all go, we all deal with shit, right? You know what I mean? And we're going to talk about this today. Uh, so this may be a longer edition of the show. We'll see. But... Uh, I want to make it worth your time. So with that being said, there's a couple of things before we get to the Q&A. Please subscribe to the Who's Podcast right now. Anywhere you get your podcasts from, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Google Play, 
just uh, type in the Hoops Podcast and you'll be able to find it for yourself. So also, if you could do me a favor, please uh, bookmark ProWrestlingTransferences.com. It's my website. It's my baby. It's my passion project where I make transfers for a living, uh, covering all the professional wrestling stuff. So make sure to check out ProWrestlingTransferences.com. Uh, right? We're hitting guns blazing in 2022 as um, we got Wrestle Kingdom 16. We got WWE Day 1. Hard to kill for Impact Wrestling. There's just a lot of wrestling out of the gate in 2022. So, uh, again, thank you guys for the support. Not only for what I do here with the podcast, but for the transcripts as well. So, all that out of the way. Let's have some fun, shall we? Let's get into the Good Birds Q&A session here. We do each and every single week on the Hoots Podcast. Also, we have a YouTube account. Make sure to subscribe there as well. YouTube.com backslash Hoots Podcast. Not only do you get video or sometimes uh, audio versions of the Hoots podcast, but also you uh, get to see some of my more full-length uh, guitar covers on there as well. So subscribe right now, like the video, tell your friend uh, to check out the Hoots podcast. It's a live podcast. I'm so recording here in the Good Brothers studio in Chicago, Illinois. Mayor folks, have some fun. Put a smile on your face and let's have a good day, shall we? All right. Good Brothers Q&A session as always. If you want to participate, all you have to do is hit me up on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media or email us to hootspodcast at gmail.com. As we start each and every single week with the Good Brothers Q&A, we'll start off with Chris Zaletta at xteamzaletta24x. I want to give a shout out to my guys, Chris, Sam, and Nate, aka CSN. They've uh, came into the clutch today. They all sent in questions today for this holiday edition of the Hoots Podcast. So I appreciate you, Good Brothers. Hope you have a wonderful time with your families as well. Chris says here, what's up, Oos? Here's some questions for the Q&A this week. Uh, do you think Cross could show up in MLW? I would love to see Cross show up in MLW, but, you know, Cross was in MLW before he was in uh, WWE. So I think maybe there's some unfinished business there. Uh, Cross is a very talented performer regardless of the promotion he works at. So i just like to see him back in a wrestling ring sometime soon, but yeah, I would I would love to see Cross back in MLW. I think that'd be I think that'd be pretty cool. Next question: Is this the best character of Brock Lesnar we've seen since two thousand and two? Well, I'll, I'll say this, and those who listen to the podcast over the years knows that I've had Brock Lesnar fatigue, especially the heel Brock Lesnar stick that was going on for way 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 too long, but. The good guy, babyface version of Brock Lesnar that we've been seeing over the last couple of months, uh, especially on SmackDown, uh, it's been absolutely phenomenal and uh, a joy to watch. A, a real, real joy to watch, and it's entertaining. Is it the best Brock Lesnar that we ever seen? I don't know. That I think this is still kind of new to it. So I guess people are still trying to get justice to seeing Brock Lesnar as a good guy. But I'll say it's been definitely enjoyable and i think brock is doing some of his best work as a character right now but collectively we'll have to see uh but it's a good one. good question next one can almost be something without aj i think time will tell that uh chris um I, and that's not shortchanging your question i i think it's the truth you know all we have is time time determines um, how things go. And I feel like almost uh, he has potential from his size. And 
I haven't seen him really embarrass himself in the ring in the matches that I transcribed for him. And, you know, I got to be at WrestleMania this past year in Tampa with uh, Drew and uh, Blake Mitchenborn. And we saw almost his first match in person at WrestleMania when he became the tag team champions. And um, I know there's going to be a little adjusting. The audience will have to do with him being an individual guy. It's almost only going to be a guy that only needs a, a mouthpiece to speak for him. We'll have to see. I think, again, especially with wrestling, um, timing is very important. And I, just, I wouldn't want to say, okay, let's say AJ Styles beats almost or almost beats AJ Styles or vice versa. I, I'm not at the point right now to say this is going to be the trajectory with him with or without AJ Styles. Uh, I I do subscribe to the belief of letting things play out because it's, it's just too crazy right now, this landscape of wrestling fans, where we have to have a knee-jerk take on everything that happens on these shows. So I don't, I don't subscribe to that. So um, I, I'd say give some time and see where things go there. I, I maybe uh, I, I'm not I'm not in the position to say absolutely not. I'm just not. Um, next question: Will Charlotte and Becky have those titles come Mania? Yes, easy answer. Yes. <laughs> um, what do you think? What do you make of Sting? Uh, what do you make of Styles going to NXT? And confronting Waller, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a cool segment. Um, AJ Styles is a good performer. I think him and Grayson Waller had a really good match, and um, Waller's definitely going for the stick where he's kind of uh, playing into the WWE internet IWC perception of them and of them like you know, like sports entertainment is above professional wrestling. And I think Waller wants to make that uh, gimmick for himself where he's like, he's above indie wrestlers. He's above the guys from ring of honor. He's above anything as a cocky guy. And he's tapping into the IWC's perception of WWE. So uh, I like what they're doing so far. It was cool to see AJ down in uh, at the CWC. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Who do you think Jay White's opponent will be in Seattle? Hmm. I I think it would be really cool to have Eddie Edwards uh, pop up and fight Jay White in New Japan, but I think Eddie Edwards is probably uh, has a deal or something with Noah that I could be wrong. Pro wrestling Noah. There's a lot of talent out there to pick and choose from. Maybe Buddy Matthews fights Jay White. Um. I know a lot of people are speculating possibly having Swerve Scott fight um, Buddy Matthews. I guess that, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, there's a lot of towns out there uh, to pick out of the litter. I mean, Jay White's, I guess, doing his own open challenge on New Japan Strong. So um, I, th- I think it'd be cool. You get you got a lot of options. I know he's fighting Christopher Daniels on the Nemesis shows. So I'm looking forward to whenever that's being released. Um, so uh, there's a there's a lot of people to choose from. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, what do you think? What do you make of JY and God not being on the Wrestle Kingdom card? Um, I wouldn't hold my guns. I wouldn't hold my breath yet on that. 
maybe more on GOD. Obviously, they'd probably uh, GOD GOD needs a break. They've been in Japan for like five and six months since the G one, and they were also in the World Tag League Tournament tour. Uh, they need a little bit of break, so I, I don't have an issue with them uh, being on the card. I mean, it would have been, I don't know, the third or fourth consecutive year that GOD would have a IWGP World Tag Team Championship match at Wrestle Kingdom. At some point, you got to either split the guys up or do something different. Uh, I just don't think you would have – I don't think you would get more uh, buzz having GOD against – uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Tai Chi again, or uh, another triple threat match. You know what I mean? Uh, as much as I love GOD, I, they probably need a break from uh, being in Japan. They probably need a break from the tag team titles. And what I saw from Tamba Tonga and Tangaloa in the uh, G1 this past year, I think it's time for them to probably start pursuing some singles titles. So uh, I don't really have an issue with those guys not being in Wrestle Kingdom, but uh, who says that JY can't come in last minute and fight Shibata? So I, I wouldn't uh, pursue that they won't be there. Um, thank you, Chris, for the questions this week. As always, I appreciate it, my man. Uh, next batch of questions here we got from the good brother Sam Piopo at Second City. Sam, uh, Sam is on a roll this morning with some good Bears thoughts. I, I saw you, good brother. Uh, <laughs> questions for the show. You're the new GM for the Bears. What's the very first move you make? Man. I'm, I'm the general manager. Well, I, I, I'm trying to figure how I want to answer this question. Are, are, is it the premise that Matt Nagy still the coach right now, or am I the new GM after the season's over? Because if I'm the general manager right now, I'm just letting the season play out, and then obviously people will get their walking papers um, after the season's over. Um, I would not fire Sean Desai. I'll say that. If I had to make a first move, is um, cutting and letting uh, a lot of the older guys go. That's probably my first move in letting – Akeem Hicks, Allen Robinson, Danny Trevathan go. I would look for some trade offers for Eddie Jackson. If that's uh, a possibility to probably get maybe a higher second-round pick or third-round pick, uh, that would probably be up there. There just needs a total cleansing for the Bears roster and organization. I think there's talented young guys that could – you know, get to see back to a winning point of view in a couple of seasons. But uh, there has to be a lot of – there has to be a lot of switches within the roster and how it's constructed and the people that that are in that locker room because uh, I think what really done the Bears in after their playoff appearance against the Eagles was the fact that I mentioned this multiple times is that the team – either did not have the collective chip on their shoulder that they needed because people were laughing at them with the whole double doink thing after they lost the playoff game. And we never really know, we never really knew who was the actual leader of the team. Like, yeah, you can mention that Keem Hicks being loud and stuff, but who's the actual leader at that time? And um, 
it, to follow up uh, Sam's next question, he says, what, what would it take for you to trade away Khalil Mack? Well, I think for me, it would have to have at least one first-round pick and a high-level lineman or linebacker or some type of like pass rusher to co-sign trading for Mack. Uh, I I just don't think right now, realistically, with what's out there, I don't know how many draft picks or which team would be willing to offer all that for Mac right now. I mean, knowing the rate, uh, knowing the L.A. Rams, they'd probably trade another year's draft for Mac. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> um, it's a good question. I mean, I think he still could have some good stuff for Mac because again, I don't think this is a a rebuild to the point where you are shitty for four or five seasons, you know? I don't think the team is as badly constructed at this point as the way Phil Emery left the team for Ryan Pace when he got fired, you know what I mean? So I would not say that um, you would have to trade Cleo Mack. If it's an offer, it's good enough, and you're getting a high quality like wide receiver or lineman or something like that, and a couple picks on the side attached to it, then do it. But also play it up to him. If he wants to go, follow through with the trade. If he wants to stay, keep him there. Um, it's very fluid, as uh, Stephen A. would say. It's very uh, that situation is all fluid, fluid. Okay, next question. Um, Book Brock Lesnar's retirement match. All right, Brock Lesnar's retirement match. Uh, WrestleMania 41 in Minnesota. Brock Lesnar goes down <laughs> to Damian Priest. There you go. Damian Priest puts the beast away. Boom. There you go. Uh, predicting surprises at this year's Royal Rumble. Mm. St. Louis. Yeah, man, it would be really cool if there was something where you could have some guys from NWA pop up like Trevor Murdoch. I think that would be pretty cool. But man, I don't know, Sam. That's a great question. I don't, I don't really don't know who's going to be a surprise entrance for the Rumble. I mean... You know what? How about this? How about Walter shows up in the Royal Rumble this year? How about that? Wouldn't that be pretty cool? I mean, I guess you could possibly drop in LA Knight or Tommaso Champa if you want to bring in some guys from NXT, maybe bring in Dragonoff in for the Rumble. Outside of WWE um, participants, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, maybe something like uh, honestly, it's not going to be anybody from New Japan. I don't know whose contracts are up or something like that. It, that's a that's a tough question. Um, this may be the one Royal Rumble this year where it's not really reliant on those um, surprise entrants. I remember they had a Rumble in St. Louis in uh, 2012, right? That was the year uh, Sheamus won the Royal Rumble. By the way, it's still bullshit that Chicago hasn't had a Royal Rumble yet, but that's neither here nor there, pal. <laughs> Best Royal Rumble surprises over the years. Man, I, I'll tell you what. There's been 
some really good gems over the last couple of years. Uh, I thought Beth Phoenix uh, in the Rumble in Houston, ironically the same night Ed showed up, she had like an awesome performance. I remember her head was bleeding like all over the place. She took a nasty bump on the ring post with Bianca Belair. Uh, yeah, I, I think Beth Phoenix is up there. Uh, the hurricane pop, uh, showing up in Philly in 2018 was cool. Uh, same thing with Trish Stratus for the first uh, Women's War Rumble match. Man, uh, there was a Rumble in Detroit. I, look at that. Detroit had a fucking Royal Rumble and Chicago has it. Damn you, CM Punk. Damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Um, so... I look at it, you can possibly, RBD was out there in 2009. That's the one I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, underrated uh, and best uh, surprises. Obviously, Edge uh, in 2020, I lost my mind. Uh, it, it was pretty cool. It's very rare. It's very rare when I'm like doing a transcript and like the fan of me comes out during that. Uh, so that moment was really fucking cool. I really enjoyed that. Uh, Jericho, when he showed up in Phoenix. Uh, in 2013, I believe that's where the Rumble's at. Uh, there's a lot of them to pick. I mean, AJ Styles, his uh, WWE de- debut in 2006. I'm trying to remember if there's any other ones that pop up in my head. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to consider John Cena at Madison Square Garden? Uh, I was not, I'll tell you what, I was not surprised when John Cena showed up for that rumble in 2008. Uh, I remember talking to it with a friend of mine in school at the time. Uh, God, I was in, (laughs) that was funny. I was in eighth grade when John Cena made his, uh, return from injury at the, the Royal Rumble in Madison Square Garden. I just made everybody feel old across the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was in eighth grade when that went down. That was wild times, wild times. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, those are the ones that pop up off the top of my head. You know, those are the ones I would pick. Um, <laughs> I, there's one rumble moment I remember in 2004. It was um, Kane was on a hot streak, you know, uh, they did the whole bit with him putting Undertaker, burying him alive in the match with Vince, you know what I mean? But, you know, Kane was in the middle of the match. They ring the bell, and he thought somebody was going to come out. And then they did, like, the, the spooky Undertaker music, and the lights went out. That that one was awesome. You guys know me. Undertaker's my favorite, like, wrestling character of all time. So when that went down, I thought that was pretty cool. But there's so many different, like, Royal Rumble surprises over the years that I could toss off off the top of my head but uh that's the chart of the rumble I'm, I'm really curious to see who shows up this year for either the men or ladies you know it was nice to see victoria uh make her return at last year's royal rumble i thought that was pretty cool we'll have to see how it goes we'll have to see how it goes pal uh let's see what the next question we got here from sam uh hubba 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 he says <laughs> Most underrated waterfall in the biz right now. Oh God. Uh, Miho Abe uh, for New Japan. If you 
those who watch New Japan, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, man, where where do I start? <laughs> uh, Miho Abe will go to Impact. I say uh, Madison Rain. Also Jordan Grace as well. Uh, NWA. Mm, Sky Blue. Top notch, pal. Top notch. Uh, I say Sky Sky Blue and Terrence Terrell. Impact Impact. I already mentioned uh, Madison Rain and uh, Jordan Grace. I think I, I even add Zion Peraza to this. Why not? Uh, MLW. Um, that that the it's not really underrated, but it's common knowledge for those who listen to the show is Alicia too, of course. Uh, and then you have AW. She's underrated in the ring, and she's underrated in the waterfall department. It's Penelope Ford, and it's not close. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, WWE, Aaliyah James from NXT UK and Blair Davenport. My God, that woman's fucking beautiful. Uh, yeah, those two. And then uh, Cora Jade would be my other one pick from NXT 2.0. Uh, maybe JC Jade, and then from Raw and SmackDown, Raw and SmackDown, as uh, Pat McAfee would say. Uh, I'll say, I'll say, I, I think Bianca Belair is underrated in the waterfall department. Like she's awesome. Uh, we're, uh, I, I know we're not doing like a this week in WWE segment uh, for the podcast this week, but. I got to say what, man, I th- I know a lot of people do these, like, debates and stuff about who's the top female performer in the women's division. It's, like, always the debate with the Sasha stands and Charlotte and yada, yada. I'll tell you right now, Bianca Belair, outside of Becky Lynch, in my opinion, Bianca Belair is the best all-around performer in WWE today. Outside of Becky Lynch, by the way, Becky Lynch is an underrated, underrated waterfall. Man, that woman's beautiful. Damn you, Seth. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, Bianca Belair uh, fit that list. And I think she, she really is the best all-around performer in WWE for the female side outside of Becky Lynch, in my opinion. Uh, especially what she's been doing recently in the matches with Piper Niven. She's just she's phenomenal. <laughs> She lives up to every moniker that she attaches herself to. Uh, I I I love Bianca Belair. She's fantastic. Um, your reaction? Oh, matches you want to see from AJ Styles before retirement? That's a good one. Um, I don't know if they ever fought each other, but I like to see AJ Styles against Cesaro. I think that'd be pretty cool. AJ Styles and Sheamus. AJ Styles and. Roman Reigns uh, duke it up again. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, I had an idea of possibly having AJ Styles get in the program with Seth Rollins going into WrestleMania this year. I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, we've already seen him fight Randy Orton Riddle, obviously. Um, let's see. You know, AJ Styles and Carmelo Hayes would be pretty cool down the road and uh, Braun Breaker as well. I, you know, I would love to see uh, AJ Styles against Jordan Devlin uh, from NXT UK or AJ Styles against Noam Dar or Ilya Dragunov. Some of these guys from NXT UK. 
Folks, you got to put some respect on NXT name, man. It's the best show that WWE produces every single week. It's not close. Uh, so those those are the ones that come off the top of my head. Uh, next question here from Sam. He says, your reaction to Roquan Smith getting snubbed for the Pro Bowl again. Uh, it's grade A, homogenized, Holstein, uh, Jimmy Neutron ship bullshit. Um, I, I don't get it. Uh, anybody puts that on a tape or watches a Bears game or watches NFL general knows how good Roquan Smith has been this season. The fact that he's not a Pro Bowl is kind of bullshit, to be honest with you. And if Roquan Smith is not nominated in an all-pro category for linebackers this year, I don't know what the hell the NFL media group is doing. It's bullshit. It really is. But again, it's the Pro Bowl. <laughs> it's politics. It's 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 a stupid system. I mean, Matthew Stafford is not a Pro Bowler this year. I I don't get it. It's uh yeah. You wonder why people don't take the Pro Bowl seriously anymore. How the hell is Roquan Smith not a, a, a nominee? Come on, man. Harrison, Harrison Smith, really? Sorry, Nate. I know, you, I know you're a Viking fan, but Harrison Smith, come on. Uh, two teams that you feel confident about in the NFL right now. Um... I feel confident about it. That's a good question. This one's for, for Pat. Um, I'll say the Patriots just because of who their coach is and how good their defense is playing. And um, if I had to pick somebody from the NSC, I'd probably go with um, – oh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, I feel dirty for saying this, but – Gotta go with the Packers um, for one game at least. <laughs> and if you ask me if, if, if who I'm confident in going to the Super Bowl, I will not pick the Packers because again, the Packers will show their true selves in the NFC Championship game again. It's like they're the they're the reverse Buffalo Bills. You could pop up in every NFC title game you want and still lose, but. I have a sinking feeling in my gut that we're having the fucking State Farm Super Bowl this year. Uh, if that happens, I am. This is the one Super Bowl I will purposely skip out on. I have no interest in watching the Chiefs and the Packers in the Super Bowl. Zero, zilch, nada. There's, as David Kaplan would say, there's absolutely no shot of me watching that Super Bowl. No shot. No shot. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the question this week, Sam. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, last batch of questions this week comes from Nate the Great at Psycho Nagiri. He says, what transcript do you think you're most proud of? Um, I have a couple of them. I, I say the uh, first NXT uh, United Kingdom Championship Tournament. I'm very proud of that because I was introducing myself to a new wrestling style, and it was a, that show was like almost five hours long. Uh, 
it, they did two shows. There was the first round, then they did the second round the next day. That that whole weekend in general, when they did the first initial uh, NXT UK um, championship tournament thing, I, I not only did I love the matches and the atmosphere, but I was getting to introduce myself to a new style of wrestling. I like again, I have to think. Uh, you know, shows like 205 Live and the Cruiserweight Classic or NXT UK and New Japan. Because, honestly, and I'll add Lucha Underground to this as well, because I feel like I've really been able to get to where I am right now from a transcript point of view due to the fact that I was covering shows like Lucha Underground and doing the Cruiserweight Classic and doing NXT UK and then getting into New Japan. Uh, it's not only it introduced me to different wrestling styles, but now I'm at the point where I don't feel like I there's a wrestling style that I can't transcribe. So I'm really grateful for those shows that I covered. Uh, again, like any Wrestle Kingdom that I transcribed, those always stand out to me. Uh, I'll even remember the first WrestleMania I transcribed, which was ironically in Dallas, uh, WrestleMania 32. Just proud of that for that moment, you know, uh, in my career. I was working at WrestleZone at the time. I still think it's probably the highest viewed article that I ever typed out before, which was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, th- those are the ones that stand out the most to me. And, of course, I would say the Cruiserweight Classic. Um, you know, getting to go back and transcribe something like Money in the Bank or some of these. I used to do, like uh, – throwback transcripts where I would pick like a random pay-per-view and I would transcribe it or I would do like some polls and Twitters of shows that people wanted me to do a transcript of. Maybe I might do that again in 2022. We'll have to see. But um, those are the ones off the top I had. Like those, those ones really stand out to me. Uh, especially like matches like Walter and Joe Coffey. I think it was NXT TakeOver Blackpool or the first Walter and Dragunov match. Um there's so many to pick out of, but those are the select few that really pop up off the top of my head. Um, excuse me. Last title for Tom match done in ricochet. We got a screwy finish. Do you think that'll happen again? Um, I'm sure it'll be shenanigans because you got Trick Williams and you got uh, the Diamond Mine out there, but. Let's see how that goes. I'm very curious to it. So it's Carmelo Hayes and Roderick Strong at New Year's Evil, if, if I'm correct. And I think um, will it be a screw fish? We'll have to see and let that play out. But I wouldn't be surprised if there is a screw fish. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, is Tony Storm ready to be a champion in your eyes? Uh, no. I think she's talented. I, I enjoyed covering her work in NXT UK, and she did some decent stuff in NXT. Do I think she needs to be a champion right now? No. Do I think she belongs uh, on the main roster and get more spotlight on TV? Yes. I, I thought the match that her and uh, her and Sasha had with uh, Charlotte and Shotzi last week on SmackDown was really good. Really, really good women's tag team match. Uh, so. I would I say right now for me I don't think she's ready for to be a champion but definitely down the road for sure I I kind of feel like her and Liv Morgan are kind of at the same point right now I don't see any scenario where either of them are champions when it comes time to WrestleMania Do I think they have potential to be champions 
of course. I just don't see it happening right now as we get closer and closer to WrestleMania. I, I just don't see it happening. I can be proven wrong, but I, I don't see it happening. Last question for the Q&A this week. Uh, what style of wrestling is your favorite? Um, that's a great question. I think for me, um, it's strong style. I think strong style is my favorite style of wrestling to transcribe. Uh, it's, it's fun. I, I say New Japan and ACUK are my favorite shows to transcribe. And it's a fun challenge. And uh, I enjoy those. So I say either New Japan, Japanese strong style, or British strong style is uh, my favorite wrestling style to transcribe. All right. For Chris, Sam, and Nate, this has been this week's edition of the Good Bros Q&A session right here on Who's Podcast. When we come back, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a life update and let you guys know what's going on in my world. We're going to talk about how I met your mother, and then we'll get to what the hell is wrong with AW right here on the Who's Podcast. And we're back, everybody. Welcome back to the Who's Podcast, uh, episode 289, as we get ready to um, probably the most important conversation we ever had here on the Who's Podcast. And um, I've done this episode this week called Have You Met Joshi? And I mentioned that for a reason. And um, for those who want to get into the um, How I Met Your Mother conversation, don't forget we'll get into that in just a couple of minutes. But this week's episode is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And uh, I think it's time for us to have a very important conversation about life and mental health and uh, how does one find himself and where I'm at right now as we get ready to close up 2021. I'm speaking today, it's a day before Christmas Eve, and um, right now, I can tell you right now, for me, um, I'm at a point in my life right now where I'm, you know, I feel like I'm at the top of my game as far as, like, making transcripts and pumping out good shows, and, you know, we've been appreciating a lot of the feedback we've been getting on for, like, what the hell is wrong with AW, and uh, recently DSU, I appreciate the, the feedback we get for those bits and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, with all that being said, I think for me personally, if I if I, re- if I erase the transcripts, if I remove the podcast, um, if you want to know how I feel right now, um, I feel really happy uh, with where I am right now in my life, but there's also a big part of me where I'm not satisfied either. And I think it's more from a personal point of view. Um, you know, the last time I did this type of conversation with you guys, I kind of broke down the whole situation that went down with me and Morin, and especially what happened down for my last trip in Florida recently. Um, I guess we should start it off there. Um, I've recently, over the past month, I believe, a, a month or three weeks, uh, I've uh, started to um, talk again to Lauren. Um, no labels attached to it. Nothing else added on to it. Just conversations. Um, conversations we had through Facebook Messenger conversations we've had on the phone and conversations that I've really enjoyed. Um, one thing I've always said about the whole situation, regardless of wherever it went down, it's the fact that 
I love this girl for the human being that she is and how awesome she is and how driven she is to better herself and get herself to what she wants to do with her life. Uh, she has a new job that she started on Monday and um, we've been talking about that as we've been, you know, catching up with each other and, you know, after cutting ties and stopped talking to her back in June, I, I to be honest with you, I did not know if I would get to myself in a position where I would be even comfortable um, talking to her. And I, I told myself then when I went back to Chicago that the only way I would get into contact with her is either she would apologize to me for what happened or there was something serious going on with her and she was being bummed out and she needs some advice. And I'd always be that person for her to... Um, you know, talk and have a real conversation and be that rock for her. And, um, you know, as time goes and you take a step back and you lose communication with somebody, you um, really open your eyes to a lot of things and maybe some mistakes you had, you took, maybe some things you would have done differently and handled situations a little bit better. You know what I mean? I think we all have that. We all have those moments where we look ourselves in the mirror and like, what could I do to better a situation, you know? And uh, I was pretty set in my uh, ways in some in some fashion. And I feel like uh, I'll send someone in believing that I would not speak to this woman ever again. And uh, I was doing it because of the fact that I was in love with her. And it was to the point that we just couldn't talk anymore or be friends but again, as I mentioned a gazillion times on the show, uh, the reason I was in love with her, because she was my best friend. And, um, you know, to think about the whole holiday season and stuff like that, it's pretty cool to say that um, I'm in contact again with my best friend and uh, got to talk to her last night. I'm not going to get into much details or anything like that, but she's in a really good place in her life right now. And... Uh, she started a new job uh, next week, and I couldn't be happy, happier for her, more excited for her, because she really is um, a wonderful person, and in regards of what, what went down or whatever, I'm always going to be her biggest supporter, and um, it's really taken a lot out of me uh, recently, <laughs> emotionally and mentally, uh, going through this process of just talking and you know, really challenging myself to not let old things fester and, you know, just snap, you know what I mean? Uh, especially when you lose uh, communication with somebody for a long while, especially somebody that was as important to me as she was, uh, it still is. It's, 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 a, it's a balancing thing, you know? It's a double-edged sword. Do I continue to be the good guy I've always been and respectable person being a good friend to her? Or do I, in some ways, justifiably lash out and say things that I'm going to regret? I It's that balance, you know? Do I want to come off as that bitter guy? And I, in the position I was in, I, I don't feel like I would label myself as bitter um, because of what went down, you know? But, you know, shit happens. This is life. And... One thing I've realized over the last couple of months is that tomorrow's not guaranteed. And um, I think for any of us, 
that deal with the depression or self-doubt or just any general mental health problems, uh, especially for those who deal with anxiety, um, is the fact that, you know, we can't control everything. You can't, you can't live your life thinking that you can control aspects of things you can't control. You can't control how somebody feels in their heart. You can't control who's going to fall in love with you, who's not going to fall in love with you. You, you can't control that. You, you can't control what tomorrow's going to be because you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. And um, I had to remind myself that um, with this whole situation. I mean, she reached out to me a couple of times, uh, you know, just casually just said hello and went out to it, no added thoughts attached to it, and still been that way since we've uh, talked uh, recently. And I, I, I feel like a lot of this has really shown me the depth of my character and my strength and the fact that um, I really have changed in a lot of ways than what I was in high school or in elementary school, you know, um, I think a lot of this goes back to also to my childhood and my upbringing, and I feel like out of all the shit I've gone through, through all the shit that I've seen in my life, and the things I've persevered and things have been thrown in front of me that I had no control over, I really am proud of myself for the fact that um, I still am able in some ways to be strong through tough times in being emotionally and mentally grounded in those time periods because there's certain aspects in life where you get pushed to a certain extent where you just lose it. You lose everything. You just go off. You just snap. And sometimes you get to a point where you have no filter and you're just a loose cannon. You ha- like you need to be real backed in in some ways. And I feel like for me in my life, with the stuff I went through, through the stuff that I went through with bullying, um, you know, being partially deaf at birth and having tubes down my ears and having to take social study classes and all of this stuff to get where I am right now in my life at 27 years old, living in my own apartment for the first time in my life and you know a lot of the good things that are in store for me in the future uh i'm very proud of the things i've been able to overcome you know and uh being a kid of uh the divorced parents you know losing communication with my older sister um a lot of my friends that I grew up with in elementary school, I, I either rarely see or never hear from anymore, you know? Um, <laughs> even this, uh, I I haven't spoke to Adam uh, since, I think I think my birthday, when he reached out, he said happy birthday, which was in May. <laughs> I hadn't talked to my brother in seven months. I don't know what's going on. Uh, there's no beef on my end. I hope he's in good spirits. I know he's been more busier now doing multiple jobs, and I'm very happy for him and what he's doing. And AJ's grown up to be a fantastic kid, and she was awesome when I got to meet her in Pittsburgh. And uh, I always think about Adam. I That's my brother to life. I'll, I would take a bullet for him. I love him. I miss him. I miss talking to him. I miss his advice. But, you know, that's also been something that I've really missed over the last couple of months uh, is really his feedback and his advice and 
it was really something I really needed for him, especially during that time period when I came back from um, Oviedo this last time. <laughs> um, but, you know, that again, it goes back to timing. Tomorrow's not guaranteed, and I don't know if there's any issues between us. I hope not. I, I would hope that not be the case. I have no issues with him. I never had any issues with him. Uh, I don't know why we stopped talking, but um, I think about him all the time. I really do. I I miss him. I wish him nothing but the best. Um, and that's my brother to, to the day I die. And I know there's a lot of people that talk shit about him behind his back and yada yada. A lot of people don't know Adam Daly, nor nor should they. But I know Adam Daly, and I love that dude to death. I love that dude. I love him. I love AJ. That's my brother to the day I die. And in regards to whatever, um, I was going to have his back. I don't care what people think about him. Uh, he's a key part of what made the show successful. But our show is not the only tie that I had to Adam. It goes back to the conversations that we had that was outside of wrestling. And the conversations where me and him would talk to 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning and a Saturday or a Friday. And this real, real conversations about mental health and self-doubt. You guys know me. I, I, I've <laughs> dealt with self-doubt my whole life. I, there's days where we get ready, where we get ready to record a podcast, and I don't know if people give two shits about what I have to say, or am I in like a higher trajectory of podcasting in this wrestling wrestling? There's so many of them out there, and you know, rankings and numbers and all that shit really doesn't matter. Uh, I'll put my show against any show that's out there for the quality and the content of what the show represents. And there's days where I feel like I'm not good enough to have this position of being a host of a podcast. I feel like I'm recognized enough for what I do with the transcripts enough. Um, there's a lot of days that I feel like I'm worthless into this wrestling media landscape. And it's a sucky way to feel, but feel that way, but I do at times. And um, I think it's probably more the fact that I'm consistent with what I do. Uh, I pump up my work. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to talk about my work ethic. I think those who know me know the amount of work ethic I do have. And um, I think for me, uh, there's, a, there's something missing professionally inside of me. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that looks like. But... I, maybe it's because I'm goal-oriented. I feel like maybe I should be on a bigger platform right now than what I'm doing. But I'm also, the fact that I could <laughs> have an apartment and have a living based off my own projects is something that I shouldn't I shouldn't look down on that. That should not be a uh, something that I should be embarrassed about. You know what I mean? It, it's something that I take a lot of pride in, you know? I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have distractions. Um, I have me. And, you know, as we wrap up 2021, I'm I'm really in a good place. Um, I really feel like in, a, in right now, in this part of my life, I'm really starting to get a small glimpse of who I am and what I want to be and what I want to do. And I know that I'm barely scratching the surface of where I'm going to be in the future. And I'm really, really excited for that. 
Um, you know, this process of living on my own and stuff like that has been, it's been really good. It's been really good for me because, um, it's allowed me to have some time on my own where I'm not having anybody in the background and having the time to talk to myself. Shocker. Uh, I talk to myself, um. I, I really do believe the most uh, important conversations that you have in life is the conversations that you have with yourself and the conversations you have with God. And there's a lot of times throughout the week, as I, again, being a uh, single guy uh, for the last, God know how many years, uh, <laughs> I think my last girlfriend was in, I was in high school, so it was like 2012. So talk about almost a decade of no real serious relationships. Um, you know, and, you know, missing out on friends and a lot of my main friends live out of town and, you know, a lot, and generally in life, I have been lonely at times, but it's in that loneliness, I tried to really build myself to the point where I, I don't, my satisfaction and appreciation should not be derived by who I'm associating myself with or how many girls I've slept with, or how many relationships I've been in, or how many people I hang out with on a weekend. I really have changed my thought process over the last 10 or 12 years, uh, especially after my parents got divorced and um, really just taking an independent point of view in that I'm dictating what I'm doing with my life and how I go about things, and I'm not seeking approval from any single person, whether it's in my real life with my family or anybody in the world that watches my content. You know, I'm the only person that I have to prove anything to is myself and God. And nobody will dictate where my path goes besides me and the man upstairs. Nobody's going to get in the way of me, of my path and my goals besides myself and God. And while I could be my own worst enemy as anybody else is, um, I feel like I'm in a good place. I'm in the, I'm in a good place in my heart. I'm in a good place in my spirit. I'm in a good place in my mental well-being, and um, a big part of that has come back with you know came back to having these conversations again with Lauren, which has been really, um, it's been really good. It's been really good for my mental health recently. And um, I'm just really excited for what next year looks like. And, you know, as you get closer and closer to 30, you start thinking about things and how can you take yourself to the next level. And I'm, I'm, I have some things in mind, and I think, you know, I think we can only grow from here. I don't feel like I'm going to take a step back. Um, I feel very confident in where my transcripts lay against other people and this podcast as well, and I'm just really excited for the future. So my life update here, um, I'm in a good place. I'm really excited as I'm getting closer and closer to trying to figure out the exact time where I'm getting ready to move down to Florida. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy, and I, I feel like a lot of... Uh, the pain that I was going through during the summer has kind of gone away. And 
I guess I could say that I'm truly healed now, and I guess that's a that, that's a good feeling. So, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 my lo- my life update as I talk to you right now on a Thursday afternoon here in Chicago at 12:56 p.m. here in Chicago, December 23rd, 2021. Your boy's in a good place in his heart, in his spirit. And I thank all of you for allowing me to be vulnerable with you guys for this last 15 minutes. So that's my life update for you guys. All right. Before we get into our main event segment this week of the podcast, I've been teasing it all week. I've been promoting it. I've been making a zillion posts and gyps and stuff with uh, this. And it's time to talk about my new favorite TV show of all time, How I Met Your Mother. First off, I'd like to thank Carter Bays and Craig Thomas for introducing us to this amazing show in 2005 uh, that went for nine seasons. And I just finished wrapping up watching all the episodes. And uh, for full disclosure, I... Um, did not watch How I Met Your Mother uh, when it was going on. The show came out when I was 11 years old at the time. And during that time period, I was not interested in those type of like romantic style comedy TV shows. I didn't really watch a lot of TV when I was a kid outside of like wrestling and sports. And um, I was like one of those, I, I ain't watching Friends. I'm not watching... How I Met Your Mother, you know, I, I, I'm not into that type of stuff, you know what I mean? And um, I didn't watch it until recently. I I, I think this started back in um, August, I believe. I just scrolled past, like, uh, funny TV moments or comedy stuff, and they had this thing where Neil Patrick Harris was doing his shtick as Barney, and I started cracking up watching this, and I was like, I got, you know what? It's it's time, you know. The show went off air in two thousand and I think thirteen, I believe, and I I never had enough time to like sit down and actually watch this show. And this whole summer, going into the fall, I've been watching How I Met Your Mother, and I just wrapped it up about a month ago, and it's by far. My favorite TV show that I've ever watched full length. It's, in my opinion, the best written television show that I've ever watched. Um, and it's the TV show I've related the most to. And um, I, <laughs> the title of the show is How I Met Your Mother. But I feel like the show is like, Hey Josh, this is you in television form, and I feel like I am Ted Mosby. Yeah. Um, now I'm not gonna spit off random facts about uh, Italian architecture and stuff like that, <laughs> but I really related a lot to the Ted Mosby character, and a big shout out has to go out to Josh Rander. And his um, work as Ted Mosby. Uh, it's one of the best TV characters of all time, in my opinion. 
Um, I related so much to Josh and his um, vulnerability and how he carried himself on screen, especially during tough moments. And, uh, you know, with Ted, his character is so complex with the stuff that he went through and his emotional endurance, as Lily said at the end of the show. Um, you know, that's something that I relate to and have that emotional endurance and strength and, you know, never losing hope. No matter how many times you get rejected or things don't go out, don't work well in a relationship. Or in Ted's case, you know, he got left at the altar by Stella. And, you know, things didn't work out with Zoe. And, you know, he, you know, he would make bad decisions too, you know, <laughs> when it comes to finding love. You know, when you try and find the right person, uh, I don't think there's a step-by-step -step book booklet, as, book, uh, as Biggie would say, to finding the person that you're going to fall in love with. And, you know... I know there's been a lot of uh, scuttlebutt about the ending of How I Met Your Mother, and a lot. It's a very um, cathartic conversation. It's very controversial. Um, and I'll tell you what. I'll start off with this. I loved the ending of How I Met Your Mother, and I loved the last scene of How I Met Your Mother because it was the core of what the show was. The title of the show is How I Met Your Mother. But not once in any of these outside scenes where Ted was talking to his kids, did he ever hear anything about the mother or the kids mentioning, hey, are you going to wrap this up? Mom's cooking dinner. You never got one hint about her being gone. And I started noticing that through seasons three and four and all the times where Ted and Robin were close to getting back together. It's a really revealing thing about life. And the show ends with Ted, um, you know, after telling the story of how he, met, how he met the mother, right? And he's talked to the kids and, and his daughter. She's like, you know, you told, you told us this whole story about how you have the hots for Aunt Robin. And that's the true story of the show, of what it was. And it's a really interesting perspective on life you know the mother of your children is not always your soulmate the mother of your children may not be the person that you transition into the next life with you know what i mean and i think anybody that watched the show i didn't watch it at when it was going on live so maybe i can understand for people that are frustrated that maybe just wanted the happy ending with them at the train station at far hampton I could totally understand that. But for me, watching this show, and the heart of what the show was, is that Ted and Robert were soulmates. They were there for each other for every single important time where they were starting to lose hope in themselves or in each other. Those two were always right there next for each other. And there's so many episodes I could pick out to have examples of that, but... The core of the show is, yes, we got to know how Ted met the mother of his children. But at the end of the day, even the same weekend where Ted did meet Tracy, they had, I played the clip in the beginning of the show from the Sunrise episode in season um, uh, 9, episode 17, by the way, keeping score at home. Um you know, you watch it, and even then, the day before Robin gets married to Barney, Ted, they're having a conversation about 
Um, I think it was about Ted's top five relationships and stuff like that. And Ted's like, look, I'm not playing games. You know the answer to the, the there is no top five list is the number one, and it's you. And for any guy like Ted Mosby or guys like myself that have gone through heartbreak or dealt with really bad rejections or, or in my case, been cheated on multiple times, uh, you know, there's there's something within, you know, yeah, there, you shouldn't still have feelings for someone after they break your heart, you know what I mean? But there's also things that you, you have no control over. I can't control the fact that I, I will always have love for Lauren for who she is. I always will be in love with Lauren no matter what's going on, whether I'm her friend, whether we're together or whatever, you know, that's just what it is. That That's how much care I have for her. And the same thing applies with Ted because Robin was his soulmate. Yes, the show is called How I Met Your Mother. But you're getting into the life of Ted Mosby and him telling his life to his kids six years after the mother passed away. Yeah, the he Tracy was the mother of his kids, but Ted but Robin was always the one. And that's not to say that Ted and Tracy did not have a good bond. I, I'll admit I I wish that how I met your mother had a tenth season. Uh, I feel like there's some things left unturned with uh, Tracy and Ted that I would have liked to see one more late season to it. And yeah, I can understand for other people where they felt like a lot of the other stuff on the show was rushed. But if if it, the whole goal of it was to have nine seasons, nine seasons and that's how it played out, then I think that's how it should have played out. And then another important thing that was not aired in the final um, airing of How I Met Your Mother the, the, when it was originally aired in 2013. They had the scene in a random uh, restaurant uh, where Ted's older and Robin's older and Robin is telling Ted about how she's kind of been contemplating her life since her divorce with Barney and her going out doing her own thing and Ted having her, uh, his family and she brought up the fact about the the whole if you're single and you're four years old, we could get together. Ted didn't do it. She did. Now, now if you think Robin's a bad person, that that's your opinion. Uh, but you, I, I really would recommend you guys to watch that scene. It's a deleted scene. It's Ted older in his older years. And Robin, and they're having this really deep conversation about um, where they are in their life and how fast time has gone by and stuff like that. And I think you really see the crux of why that final scene happened when it happened. Life brings us in a lot of different ways. It brings us in a lot of different directions that we don't expect. But I think the people that are meant to stay in your life pop up at the best times. And... You can't project when that happens. It just happens. You know, it comes to you when you least expect it. And I, you know, I'll, I'll defend that. I'll defend that any ending to the show to anybody. Uh, the true heart theme of that show was knowing that Ted's 
number one in his life was Robin. Yes, we got to meet the mother. Chris Miliati did a phenomenal job in, you know, doing one season for what she did at that time, last minute like that. I thought she was phenomenal. I thought she did some really, really good work. And I thought, um, you know, <laughs> I think it was like Marshall or Barney's like, oh, she's the female Ted. She was. But, you know, having the identical version of you from a female point of view may not always be what you end your life with. Again, like I mentioned earlier, yes, Tracy is the mother of Ted's kids, but the one is Robin. You have that one that bounced you out. Uh, and yeah, do you have commonalities? Do you have things you relate to? Of course. But we all have that one person that brings out the best of you and it's just that internal beat inside of you. That's your soulmate. That's your person that that will always be number one to you. And um, I don't want to spend too much time all on Ted and Robin, but I really think that was the central core of what that show was. Yes, the title of the show is How I Met Your Mother, but how did we get to that point? How did we get to know who Ted Mosby was through nine seasons? How did we get to know to where Ted had a family? You know what I mean? There's a lot of layers that went into that process. You know, <laughs> and there's a lot of great things that went on in that show. Uh, the Barney Simpson character is iconic in itself. Uh, now I realize why Neil Patrick Harris was on my TV all the time at these award shows and stuff like that. He was really, he was really good. The Barney character, all the stuff, legend, wait for it, Derry. Um, some funny, really bits, you know, the whole, have you met Ted? Have you met Marshall? I, I love that episode in season two where he's like <laughs> doing the whole have you met Marshall bit after Lily uh, and him uh, broke up, right? And Barney was fantastic. Uh, and, and the funny parts with like Barney, especially when he's like trying to make a serious point, he's like, just you know, okay, like <laughs> let me say what I need to say, you know what I mean? Without somebody like jotting him down, you know. Uh, my thoughts on the Marshall and Lily stuff, uh, I thought it was cool. It was a really cool thing where they had a couple where they allowed them to be a couple. And it wasn't something where, oh, here's a divorce down the corner. Oh, they're on and off like Ross and Rachel. Like, Lily and Marshall were meant to be together. together. And they went through their own things. You know, Lily wanted to be an artist. Um, you know, Marshall had a stint at GMB. You know, he wanted to be an environmental lawyer. And then you had, uh, you know, the fortunate uh, episode of season six where his dad passed away. That was a very sad scene. Um, the whole thing with the funeral and stuff like that. He had the pocket dial voicemail. Uh, that was a very emotional episode. Um, I really enjoyed the stuff with Marshall Lee, just their dynamic and, uh, you know, <laughs> Marshall's dynamic with Ted was really cool. Uh, where they were like had their old road trips in college and they played that whole if I would walk uh, about 500 miles and I would walk 500 more yeah like stuff like that I thought that was fantastic and then they had this thing where they do like um, telepathic uh, commentary where they wouldn't want to say something out loud to the the person that they're talking to at the table at the at McLaren's 
Uh, I always enjoyed those bits. Um, my personal favorite bit of how I met your mother, like the running gag, was one of the interventions. I thought the interventions were fantastic, uh, especially the one with Lily and her fake English accent. Bullocks. <laughs> I just thought that was fantastic. And then uh, the second one was with Ted and Robin, obviously, where they would like do a captain salute to anything that had any references to... Um, the military, right? So they'd be like, oh, <laughs> only women with major baggage talk about, uh, oh, Barney's like saying this scene, like, only women with major baggage go into porn and Ted Robin are right there, major baggage. And then there's an episode, you go back into it, uh, it was the first Slaps Giving, uh, by the way, another good running gag, uh, where Ted and Robin, um, accidentally had like a one night stand or something like that where Robin was dating this old guy named Bob and it was right before Thanksgiving and they're like they get to this argument and they're like maybe we should be friends maybe we should be in each other's lives and just like that just when you least expect it uh, you know uh, Bob's telling this uh, his story and his experiences at Thanksgiving and he's like sometimes it's really a major buzzkill and they didn't do the whole thing major buzzkill and going back to the deleted scene that I mentioned a couple minutes ago, uh, Ryan's tail was leaving the restaurant. They did the whole major pleasure thing. Those are signs right there, folks. Uh, general knowledge. Uh, Lily mentioned something about corporal punishment. Corporal punishment. Hell, I even find myself doing that now. Anytime I hear anything about private or corporate or major or something. <laughs> hey, you heard that, uh, you heard that Billy Dobbins getting a major pay raise? Major pay raise? I, I do it all the time now. <laughs> I can't get enough of the show. It's really it's it's it was a really really good comedy show, and it had a lot of heart to it. And it's the show I have have related to the most in my personal life. And it's I can't thank Carter and Craig for what they did and the the incredible writing staff that they had for that entire show. Um, for me, it, it was just. It was really, really powerful, the entire show, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. So, uh, hell, even, like, Robin's ang anger issues, <laughs> where she just scream at Patrice all the time. I just thought it was funny. This, your comedic timing was uh, fantastic, and I can't get enough of, have you met Ted? Have you met Barney? Have you met Marshall? Have you met Joshy? Have you met Burke Carter? Have you met Matt McCool? <laughs> you can go on and on to the cows go home. But uh, I did want to come in here and talk about How I Met Your Mother because um, How I Met Your Mother has really helped me out from a mental health point of view as well from an entertainment standpoint. Um, How I Met Your Mother is a show that is something I can watch any time now when I want. Whenever I'm feeling down, I can just pull up an intervention clip on YouTube or something like that. It's just... It's a lot of fun, and uh, it's a really, really tremendous show. Uh, it's on Netflix, I think. You can go watch it if you want. And um, it, it's a fantastic show. I recommend it. Even if you didn't watch the show when it was happening, don't miss out on it. Go check it out for yourself. I think you really enjoy it. Um, some really good songs on the show. Uh, I, I love the whole dynamic with Ted and Victoria. I, I, I like their relationship. And, you know, when they had that last scene, um, going back to science, you know, 
is the episode called The Autumn of Breakups. It's in season eight, and this is when Ted and Victoria had their last scene with each other face to face. And they're McLaren's, and they're like, uh, they had this song in the background, and it was uh, called Low Rising from the, from the group called uh, The Swell Season. A very, very talented band. And this, this is when uh, Ted's like, I can't get rid of Robin. Because Victoria had that awesome man, like, let's be together, but you can't speak to Robin anymore, right? And there it is, right there. That's the sign. Kind of like when Emily told Ross that he can't hang out with Rachel anymore if they got back together, even though they were married at the time, you know what I mean? Those are all signs. Yes, a TV show, but those signs do happen in real life. And, you know, she... Victoria said even before she left the bar, she's like, I really hope you get her someday. The her, the one, has always been Robin for Ted. And, again, I can't think Josh Rander, uh, Colby Smulders, uh, Jason Seagal, Allison Hannigan, and Neil Patrick Harris for what you guys did uh, for nine seasons. It was an amazing show, and uh, I will forever link myself to Ted Mosby. <laughs> and... The show was definitely legend. Wait for it. Dairy. On that note, it's time to give the people what they want. What they've been waiting for, folks. A holiday edition. Theme edition. Restaurant quality edition. Of what the hell is wrong with AEW. We're going to start this off in a 3, 2, 1. Beat your meat. Beat, beat your meat. Beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Ho, 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 ladies and gentlemen, what the hell is wrong with AEW? Okay, what isn't wrong with AEW? A holiday theme edition? No. <laughs> Big shout out to uh, Brother Carter. Yes, um, we didn't get into what happened this week on Dynamite. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll start off with the stuff I did like on this week's edition of Dynamite. And we're going to start off with the CM Punk Trios match. And I got to tell you what, man. Out of the matches I've transcribed for Punk's return, this was his ninth match. Uh, I thought last night was CM Punk's best in-ring performance uh, since coming back to professional wrestling. Uh, I thought this match was better than the Darby Allen one. Uh, Punk's had some really good performances, but I think as far as, like, just being on point with everything. I thought this was Punk's best match uh, that he had uh, uh, last night at Dynamite. I thought it was a very good match. It's CM Punk, Darby Allen, and Sting against FTR and NGF. You guys know the drill here with the Hoots podcast. I could give two Fig Newtons about 
long trios matches where the referees are completely useless, but I really, really enjoyed this match, and I thought Punk looked fantastic. It was really cool with him coming out with the face paint and everything. I thought that was uh, really, really cool. Other stuff on the show that I liked. Uh, MJS promo backstage uh, never misses. I'll, I'll say that. And then, um, is there anything else I wanted to mention? Oh, yes. <laughs> Believe it or not, folks, there's stuff in AEW I do like. Uh, big shout-out to Dan Lambert, again, just killing it on the mic. I know some people don't like it because they don't want to hear what needs to be said about Tony Khan, man. But is there anything that he's saying on the show wrong? I mean, <laughs> Dan Lambert's the freaking man. I, I will say that. But... With that being said, it was not a it was an eventful uh, evening in Greensville, North Carolina, as we saw the debut in AW of Kyle O'Reilly. But how did we get there, may you ask? Well, let me bring you down the rabbit hole of nonsense. So, you ask me, folks, you ask me every single week, hey Josh, what the hell is wrong with AW this week? Wait a minute, you don't, because AW does no wrong, right? Wait, wait, wait for it, wait for it. Gotcha. Um, so we started off the show with Adam Cole and Pockets. And again, a long, drawn-out match with Pockets. And the whole match layout is that he hasn't put his fucking stupid rinky-dink hands in his pockets. Even to the point where they're at the top rope and this dude is so fixated on putting his stupid hands in his pockets. It's so ridiculous. A serious guy. I was supposed to take a serious guy seriously in Adam Cole. And he's doing stupid spots in the center of the ring with uh, Orange Cassidy. Like, oh my god. Love Adam Cole. Phenomenal wrestler. But again, we're doing false finishes with Orange Cassidy on a TV show? Did that match really need to be 20 minutes? And, oh, here we go. Here comes... The two, the two dumb elves, <laughs> Baldy Buck and Pie Face Buck Elf, and here we go. We got the Up Bucks coming down the ring. The Hardly Boys are coming down the ring with Brandon Cutlet. Brandon Cutlet is joining the Reindeer Express with Santa this year, and it's like the blind me and the blind. So here we go. LOL. Here comes best friends. We got a brawl on the outside. Let's jump. We got a brouhaha. Mama, it's Mama Mia, Mama Mia, and. Uh, we have a false finish here. Here comes the referee being distracted by Bobby Fish. And out comes Kyle O'Reilly to attack Orange Cassidy from behind. I didn't know Orange, or Orange Cassidy needed to be the foil to release Kyle O'Reilly in AW. But here we are, ladies and gentlemen. The Undisputed Era against the Best Friends already scheduled for New Year's match next week on Dynamite in Daly's Place. Oh, man. Let me just, let me first say this before I get dog crapped on for my take here. Um, uh, I like Kyle Riley. I enjoyed his work in NXT. I am not. Mad that he left WWE for AW. If that's where he wanted to go and wrestle, more power to him. Uh, I want to get that out of the way so there's no confusion here. The reveal and the setup to how we got here, though, was absolutely grade A homogenized Holstein bullshit. 
just as bad as <laughs> the Jaguars <laughs> firing Urban Meyer before the season comes to an end. I, I wonder what was more obvious, that Kyle Riley was showing up or the fact that Urban Meyer was getting fired. Like, you're seeing Tony Khan last night on Twitter. I can't believe that we're reuniting the undisputed era. You've been teasing it for fucking three weeks! Hell, maybe in a month! Oh, I can't believe it. I still don't believe it. Really? Wasn't it two weeks ago you had Cole like, oh, I got a big surprise for you guys in this box. Like he's doing this whole bit with the Young Bucks. Okay, so basically we're going down the hill of the Young Bucks against the Unstreet Era, the Elite against the Unstreet Era, whatever Adam Cole turns on Kenny Olivier. I'm sorry, guys, it does nothing for me because we already know what the match is going to look like. Did I like the Undisputed Era? Yes. Am, do I enjoy Kyle O'Reilly's work? Yes. But, I'm sorry guys, Kyle O'Reilly's debut for me was meh. I shrugged my shoulder. Literally, I literally shrugged my shoulder. I was like, eh, whatever. We, <laughs> we needed Orange Cassidy and the best friends to be the foil of Kyle O'Reilly showing up. Like, whatever. Like, cool. If, if That's the whole big thing. Kyle O'Reilly there. It's like... I do, I do think it's funny, though. Anytime somebody from WWE pops up on AEW. Oh, my God. This is the biggest thing ever. This is game-changing. I saw that tweet last night, too. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, a trip down Capville. Oh, my God. This is the biggest reveal in wrestling all year. Really? That was the biggest reveal of the year? I don't know about that, pal. Um... <laughs> Ah, uh, man. Let's see what else happened here on the Mud Show. Uh, Wardlow ran through Sean Dean. Nobody cared. Next, uh, we had Britt Baker holiday party with Tony Schiavone, Rebel, and J.B. Hare. We know that Britt Baker will fight Rebel. My bad. Britt Baker will fight Riho at Battle of the Belts on January 8th at the Bojangles Coliseum. That, that show is going to be on TNT. Oh, man. Where do I start? Um, Tony Schiavone. Again, all due respect to you, good sir. And your work in the business is second to none. Um, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing a Jacksonville Jaguars Christmas t-shirt. Following the weekend, you fired your head coach. <laughs> I wouldn't even wear any time, even, even if Urban Meyer wasn't the coach. Who the hell would want to wear a Jacksonville Jaguars Christmas-themed shirt on worldwide television? Please, anybody, tell me. It's like uh, somebody want to come out to the ring with a the Detroit Lions jersey. Oh, man. This is an NFL question. Which place is more depressing to play at? Jacksonville at the stadium or Ford Field in Detroit? I got to know for those who are listening. In your opinion, what's the most depressing place to either watch a football game on TV as a fan or you think as a player? If you're an NFL player, would you be more depressed playing at Jacksonville or at Ford Field? I want to know about that. Um, We had a really 
long, clunky match with Nyla Rose and uh, Ruby Soho on the show uh, last night. Ruby Soho beat Nyla Rose on her way to um, <clears throat> uh, go to the finals of the TBS Championship Tournament. I will say this, uh, big F you to the guy that was in the front row with the stupid side towards Nyla Rose. You're completely another jackass. Uh, that was completely unnecessary and just outright, outright bullshit. Um, I don't know where you're getting out of that. I'm glad that fan got ejected out of the building. That was just ridiculous. Uh, anyways, that did not take away from the match for me. I, just did, I, I, did, did, I didn't think they messed well with each other in the ring, but was happy to see that Ruby Soho won. And then Malachi Black ran through uh, Griff Garrison. I enjoyed that match a little bit. I, I thought that was decent. So all in all, I thought Dynamite last night was decent. Not horrible. Not great. Um, I got a couple other things I wanted to mention before we wrap it up here. Um, we may have a couple new updates from DSU. But one update is for sure. Um, Christian Cage will definitely be a professor at Dipshit University because that dude loves saying Dipshit on TV each week. So you, my friend, Christian Cage, you have been invited to DSU. <laughs> and lastly, certainly not least, to wrap up this fun holiday edition of the Hoots Podcast. Oh, man. Tony Khan getting into a war with Fox News. Nothing like preparing for your big slate of programming as we get ready to transition to TBS, but getting into a feud with Fox News, which I find very ironic with the fact that you, Tony Khan, and Chris Jericho, and many other dignitaries in AW are actual fans of Fox News and the Republican Party and Donald Trump and the MAGA crew. I'm surprised you got so upset and you wanted to call out uh, Fox News for the fact that they're pointing out factual information. I mean, you could cherry pick your Nielsen outdated ass metric system and the dirt sheet metric system to tout your points of your ratings, but facts are facts. Rampage is not, it's not must see. Rampage is not a must see show, and Dynamite can't even average over a million viewers. And this is the show that was supposed to. Take things to the next level. Take wrestling to the state, to the next level. This big wrestling boom period. That's not happy yet. Where's it at? <laughs> oh, CM Punk and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Ruby Soho and God knows who else next. Uh, here comes Adam Shear, the Titan. Here comes... Uh, I'm going to keep that to myself. Um, <laughs> look, am I saying there's not good aspects of AEW? Of course there is. But Tony Khan getting into a hissy fit fight with Fox News on social media tells you everything I've been telling you on this podcast for the last six or seven months. Tony Khan is so fixated in his warped wrestling observer dirt sheet membership board mindset that he can't take one, he can't take criticism. Uh, you remember when Bully Ray was calling out the officiating in AW and he got offended about it during the interview? 
now you notice every time that now that Tony Khan is not busted open, it's like Dave LeGrecken's got to kiss his ass for the entire 20 minutes that he's there. But, hey, that's neither here nor there. You know what I mean? Uh, Jenna Bean. Uh, so, yeah. Tony Khan, please grow up and be a man and take some fucking criticism. And that, my friends, is what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a wonderful time with your family this weekend and celebrating this holiday season, starting off with Christmas and all the fun holidays that you guys choose to celebrate this time of year. We will be back next week as is our preview show for WWE Day 1. No, it'll be our final show of the podcast for 2021. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, we do not take breaks during the holiday season, so if you're not missing anything, we'll be here. Not only will we be... Uh, excuse me, we'll be um, previewing day one. We'll also be making predictions for Wrestle Kingdom 16. So be on the lookout for that. That's definitely happening soon. So watch out for next week's show. It should be a lot of fun. With that being said, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Lopez Media, at Instagram at Josh Lopez 94, that's J O S H I E Lopez 94, at Josh Lopez Music. Also, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Leave us a four or five star review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to type in Who's Podcast and subscribe to the show today. It comes to you free of charge. And uh, we appreciate the support we get each and every single week. We love you guys. Um, remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself. I want to thank you all for letting me be vulnerable with you guys today and to speak from the heart. And I love you guys. Hope you have a wonderful holiday weekend. And I'm going to wrap up this show this week by airing my favorite scene from How I Met Your Mother. It's the scene following the wedding. Uh, This is actually the scene where uh, uh, Ted and Tracy's wedding and Ted's dialogue towards the end of the show. So... Very fitting. We talked about how I met your mother. I guess we should play one of the most iconic scenes in the show's history where we finally meet the mother. And um, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. As always, have a wonderful weekend. I'll talk to you guys next week. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Yes, sir. A toast. Okay, first off, to everyone at this table, I love... You guys, so much, I can't even... Let's move to the second part. <laughs> Secondly, to Ted... Don't say it. Evelyn Thank you for that. A man with more emotional endurance than anyone I know. It was a long, difficult road. Thank God we finally got here. You're here. Yeah. Aunt Lindley wasn't wrong. It was, at times, a long, difficult road. But I'm glad it was long and difficult, because if I hadn't gone through hell to get there, the lesson might not have been as clear. You see, kids, right from the moment I met your mom, I knew I have to love this woman as much as I can, for as long as I can, and I can never stop loving her, not even for a second. I carried that lesson with me through every stupid fight we ever had, Every 5 a.m. Christmas morning, every sleepy Sunday afternoon, through every speed bump, every pang of jealousy or boredom or uncertainty that came our way, I carried that lesson with me. And I carried it with me when she got sick, 
Even then, in what can only be called the worst of times, all I could do was thank God. Thank every God there is or ever was or will be, and the whole universe and anyone else I could possibly thank. And I saw that beautiful girl on that train platform, and that I had the guts to stand up, walk over to her, tap her on the shoulder, open my mouth, and speak. Excuse me. Hi. Hi. I'm the, the best man. Yeah, get in here. Get in here. Get oh, in here. thanks. Here. Let uh, me. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Great show tonight. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You're Cindy's ex-roommate, right? Yeah. And you are the professor. I took one of your classes. Really? Which mm -hmm. one? Econ 305. Econ 305? I don't teach. Oh, no. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm going to jump onto the tracks now. No, 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 don't. You were great. You were great. <laughs> Wait a second. This is my umbrella. I left this umbrella at Cindy's. You totally stole my umbrella. What? No, I didn't. This is my umbrella. I bought this. Excuse me. It even has my initials on it right here, TM, Ted Mosby. Yeah, look again, Ted Mosby. Those are my initials, TM. Tracy McConnell. Um, no, Tracy McConnell. It's TM, totally my umbrella. Uh, your TM, terribly mistaken. Because this umbrella has always belonged, TM, to me. <laughs> Although, I did lose it for a few years there. Um, so I went to this dance club. On St. Patrick's Day. On <laughs> St. Patrick's Day. And you left it there. And I left it there. You never thought you'd see it again. And I never thought I'd see it again. Funny how sometimes you just find things. Hi. Hi. <laughs> And that, kids, is how I met your mother.